Thank you for joining us here at Brave Church. We hope our teaching inspires you. For more information about gathering times, events, and other resources, visit brave.church. Here's this week's talk. It's Christmas! Yeah! All right, I can see a bunch of you want to do this, don't you? One, two, three. All right, all right, that's great. That's fun. You know what? Love draws us all together. Love, family, friends. Love is the reason that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And whether you go to church regularly every once in a while or you're just checking things out, we're just really glad that you came. You know, uh, God offers peace. You cannot buy peace. No one else can offer you peace. And he offers you love. And God's love is here. And today we're going to look at one verse because the entire meaning of Christmas is summarized in one Bible verse. In fact, it could be said that one Bible verse is the entire Bible. You've probably heard it before. It's one of the most famous verses of all time. It's John 3.16. And you see it everywhere. You see it on a big poster during a football game at the end zone on national television. You see it on a guy's sandwich board in the city, you know, standing on a corner. Uh, you see it on the bottom of a paper cup at In-N-Out Burger. Have you seen it? You need to look next time. But sometimes I wonder, as common as this verse is, have we lost sight of what it means? And have you actually experienced it? Sometimes, you know, the messaging about God gets a bit confusing, even for those of us who follow him. One time I was speaking at a resort and I was walking down this shoreline path and I saw this couple walking towards me and uh, the one spouse wore this shirt that said, Jesus is the one and he loves you. And then the other shirt on the other spouse said, I have multiple personalities and none of them like you. And I thought, well, which is it? right? I mean, does God want to judge me or does God want to love me? And sometimes in religious circles, I'm not really sure. So John 3.16 gives us the clearest understanding of God's heart. John 3.16 tells us what motivated God to send his son and how he feels about you and me. Let's read this verse out loud together. We're going to put it on the screen for you. We're going to read it together like you've never read it before. Ready, set, go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're going to learn four things of the four phrases that are found in this verse. The greatest love, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest offer, the greatest gift. First of all, the greatest love. It says, for God so loved the world. That little word so is a great big word in the original Greek language. It's what's called an adverb of intensity. So if someone says to you, I love you, that means a lot. That's a wonderful thing. But if someone says to you, I so love you, well, that adds some intensity. That adds some passion. So when God says this to us, he says, I so love you. God loves you and God loves to lavish his love on us. Now, no one will ever love you as much as God loves you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, God had us in mind. God had you in mind. And then it says, and he settled on us as the focus of his love. I had my mind on Tracy Laws long before I ever met her. 
I mean, seriously, I prayed for her. I hadn't met her yet, but I prayed for my wife. I dreamed about her. I so loved my wife before I ever even met her. After we got married over 32 years ago, we started to have kids on our mind, children that we had never met before. But we loved them, and we would pray for our future children before they were born. We had them on our minds, and we loved them, and we talked about them before they even knew us. God has always loved you. He's always had you on his mind, even before you knew him. God so loves you. You're the focus of his love. Let that sink in. That will heal people's emotions if we could ever just be best in the family of his love and his goodness and his mercies. You see, the fact that Jesus loves me, oh, to receive that, to hear that, but to experience it, that's another thing. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is good to everyone. Good to everyone, and he showers compassion on all of creation. God is so good to everyone, not just good people, not just the religious people, not just the best, you know, behaving people, but everyone. And the Bible says that nothing in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so Christmas is a time when fractured families try to get back together again. There's a lot of brokenness in families that kind of just tends to show up in Christmas. And that's because our human love, let's be honest, it can wear out towards certain people. Human love is, is conditional. What have you done for me lately? Have you called me lately? Have you texted me lately? Have you reached out or done something? Whatever it was that I expected of you, and now I feel indifferent because I just don't feel as much love towards you. You see, human love can wear out. It's so fragile, really. But God's love for you, it'll never grow tired of you. God never grows tired of you. God's love is an everlasting love. There's no condition where God will ever stop loving you. You can make all kinds of decisions and God's still going to love you. God's love is for you as you are, not as you should be. And the one thing that you do not need to perform for is God's love. God's not you know, waiting for you to be nice and then he'll be nice back to you. He loves you on your bad days, and He loves you on your good days. He loves you when you feel it, and He loves you when you don't feel it. So what's your story? What's your life been like? I don't know. But no matter what your story is, God brought you here so you could hear Him say these words. I have always loved you. I loved you before you were born. I had you on my mind, you. I thought of you. I created you. And I was there when you took your first breath. And I was there when you were formed in your mother's womb. And I've seen the great things that have happened in your life. And I've seen the painful things, the dark things, the hard things that have happened in your life. But I have never, ever, ever stopped loving you. God so loved you that he's willing, number two, to make the greatest sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Loving and giving go together. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Giving is the essence of love. And so on Christmas, God came to be with us. It's one of the most significant events in all of human history but God didn't say, okay, I'm going to meet you halfway. Hey, when you start acting better 
If you just try a little harder, if you could just be a little more perfect, then I would come to you. No, he says, I, I came all the way. All the way. I came right to where you are. I came to earth. How could he have entered our world? Think of all the different ways you're God, and you haven't come to planet earth yet, and you're trying to decide, how am I going to introduce myself to everybody here on planet earth? Think of all the different ways he could have done that. He could have, um, he could have came in a spaceship and freaked us all out right? Uh, he could have come as a dictator of truth. Look, this is the way it is. I'm God. This is truth. Take it or leave it. No, that's not at all how he came. He came in a way to dispel all the ways that people would misrepresent his intentions and his heart. God came as a baby to save us, not to scare us or judge us. He came as a baby to love us. If you've ever had a baby, been close to a baby, if you've ever held a baby, all you can feel is love from a baby. There's a purity of love that goes beyond human words with a baby. And this Christmas, don't miss the profound thoughtfulness of God. The profound thoughtfulness that He chose to come to you and I as a baby. But God's sacrifice didn't stop with leaving heaven. He came so he could grow among us, so that he could experience our pain and be tempted as we are before going to the cross and dying for us. He did it to overcome evil and death. A lot of people have issues with God right now because evil's not overcome clearly on this earth. But God has overcome evil, and there will come a day where we will have no more evil. And it's a place called heaven. And he, come, he came to overcome evil and to overcome death so we would one day never be separated from our loved ones. To win back eternal life. And the meaning of Christmas without the cross has no meaning at all. If you want to know God, if you want to learn who He is, I remember as a young boy thinking, well, how do I know God? That, that sounds so mystical and nebulous. I mean, how do I do that? And then I remember reading this scripture in Hebrews where it says that Jesus is the exact representation of Father God. That when I study Jesus, when I study the Gospels, when I look at how He lived and what He modeled, you see Jesus lived a truly good life. If you want to know what a good life is, or a real good life, Look at Jesus. God wants you, and God wants everyone in heaven. But heaven is, is perfect. Heaven is a sinless place. You see, in heaven, there's no death because there's no sin. There's no murder. There's no lying. There's no pain. There's no racism. There's no prejudice. There's no hypocrisy there. Heaven is perfect, and you're not. <laughs> and neither am I. A pastor was walking down the street, and he came up on a group of boys, and they had surrounded uh, this, this dog. It was, they were around 10 to 12 years of age, all of them, and the, the pastor was really concerned that the boys were going to hurt the dog. And so he, he went over and he asked them, what are, you, what are you doing with the dog? And one of the boys says, well, the dog is astray, and we all want him. So he, we decided that whichever one of us can tell the biggest lie gets to keep the dog. Now, the pastor was really taken back by this, and so he says, boys, 
You shouldn't be having a contest to tell the biggest lie. And then he launched into this 10-minute, you know, talk against lying, you know. Don't you know that it's a sin to lie, he told them. And when I was your, your age, I never told a lie. There was dead silence. The smallest boy finally, deep sigh. All right, give the pastor the dog. Come on, we've all sinned. But there's no sin in heaven because there's no suffering there. There's no sorrow. There's no sadness. There's no worry. There's no greed in heaven. No envy, no anger, no lust. There's no evil there. That, that's a perfect place. And so you and I cannot get there based on our own goodness. And if you think you can, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to other people. No one bats a thousand. No one is sinless. If our sin could go with us to heaven, if our goodness could go with us to heaven, if our lust and our pettiness and our selfishness could go to heaven, well, it would no longer be heaven. It would get ruined. It would be no different than earth now. He says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. If we didn't need a Savior to go to heaven, all this would never have been necessary. All the suffering, all the sorrow, all the sadness that God went through when He went to give His Son to the cross, none of it. If there was any other way, don't you think He would have thought of it? It's a true story. In Africa, a fire just ravaged a hut, and it burned so quickly and so intensely, it was killing all the family except one. A stranger was seen running into the burning hut, snatched a small boy from the flames and carried him out safely and then disappeared into the darkness. The next day, the tribe circled around together and they decided what needs to be done with this now orphan boy. And they all assumed that he must be very, a very special child because he survived the fire. A wise man, he insisted that he should adopt the boy because he could impart his wisdom. A rich man thought, you know what, who's better qualified than I am because I can give my wealth to the boy. And as the discussion continued, an unknown man walked into the middle of the circle and insisted that the child belonged to him. And when they asked him why, he showed them his freshly burned hands from the fire on the night before. He was the only one willing to give his life to rescue the boy. When Jesus stretched out his hands on the cross, he was saying, this is how much I love you. I love you so much that I would rather die for you than to live without you. You see, Jesus is the only one qualified to save us. He's the only one that's done that. And the Bible says that when Jesus served as a sacrifice for our sins, that he solved the sin problem for good, not only ours, but the whole world's. You see, Jesus paid the greatest sacrifice of all. And number three, the greatest offer. For God so loved the world, the greatest love, that He gave His only begotten Son, the greatest sacrifice, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, the greatest offer. The offer is for whosoever. There's no religion being named here. You won't find it. 
There's no insider group. There's not the best church in town. There's no perfect people. There's nothing like that being named here. The offer is for everyone. Your religious background, whatever that is, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Muslim, Mormon, Buddhist, Baptist, Hindu, Chick-fil-A, that's my worship. Okay, we've all got sin. That's mine. All right. Let's just get it out there. You can be an atheist, an agnostic. The offers for whosoever. Whosoever. Jesus did not come to start a religion at all. Men, mankind, humanity starts religions. God didn't start a religion. He came to offer a relationship. And He starts by giving Himself. He's willing to sacrifice Himself and to give His life to you. Only He can qualify to make you this offer. And so the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I've had a relationship with Jesus now for over, over 50 years. And uh, He's my best friend. I mean, it's been a long journey, i got to tell you. And, and it's been a, really confusing at times because usually when you start to try to find Jesus, you do so in a religious kind of context or whatever, and there's all kinds of weirdness out there, i got to tell you. But uh, it's been an incredible journey. and I, I talk to Him all the time, just like I'm talking to you. I, I don't have to close my eyes. I don't have to utter a string of memorized religious words to talk to God. And I've developed a very real and deep relationship with Him. And I can hear God, and God speaks to me. I can hear Him in my heart and my thoughts, and I've had to learn to discern between those. But God did not come to judge you. He came to save you. From from all the hurts and all the tribulations and all the pains in this life, this life is temporary. It's, It's a vapor, and then it's gone. See the big picture For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life, number four, is the greatest gift. The idea that I can live forever with a loving God. You see, when you invite Christ into your life, that one decision changes everything because there's at least three things that happen. First, You get your past forgiven. That'll mean more to you the older you become. Hello? (laughs) And the older you become, the more you'll look back and think, you know what, maybe I didn't see that offense or that situation the way I should have. You get all of your past forgiven. You get a new purpose for living while here on earth. And when you discover that new purpose and you understand why you're really here, that's a big game changer. And then third, you get to go to heaven forever. God says, I want to take care of your past, your present, and your future. We give gifts at Christmas because God gave the first and the greatest gift of all. So today, let His love 
forgive your past. Let his, let his love forgive yourself. Let his love heal your regrets. Don't just go your whole life knowing about John 3.16. Experience it. Let his love take your burdens and your cares and your worries. Let his love take you in. The Bible says that God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. What better time than at Christmas with family and loved ones all around to make a decision to receive God's love and to begin a journey of following Jesus? You know, uh, Brave is a safe place. It really is uh, for you to learn about God's love and to explore who He is. It's been a lifelong process for me. I've had to filter out uh, a lot of things that have been said and taught in the name of God so that I could begin to actually discover and experience the true heart of God for myself. And so I want to invite you to join us beginning on January 7th, and and we're going to begin a study in the book of Mark. If you don't have a Bible, you can come here to the prayer team after our gathering. We'll give you a Bible. If you, do, if you want to buy your own, go do that. But come here on January 7th ready to study the Gospel of Mark. The reason we're going to study it is because it gives us the most exciting collection of stories of Jesus' life on earth. That's why we're going to study it. And we're going to learn about people like you and I that experience the real Jesus. You cannot experience the real Jesus and be the same. And whether you've considered yourself a Christian your entire life or you're just beginning to explore you know, the Jesus of the Bible, this is going to be an opportunity for us all to take a fresh look at who do I know God to be? Who is God? What does He look like in the flesh? I know some of you today that you can sense God's love, and maybe you've sensed His love this morning from the moment we started, and you're ready to take that first step of faith of just receiving the greatest gift of all time, salvation through Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads? And if, if you wouldn't mind just to close your eyes just in reverence to those that are around you, this is just a special moment just between you and God, a moment of silence and quiet and reflection. And I wonder here today, if you're just at a place where, where you'd like to do what I've been talking about, you'd like to receive salvation, forgiveness of the sins of your past, present, and future, to begin a, a relationship with you and Jesus, the God who has had you on his mind since before you were born. You have been the focus of his love. And now in this moment, you would say to him, I I would like to begin a relationship with you. I'd like to confess that you are Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins. And I want to begin this journey. I have so many questions, but I want to start this new year. And I want to begin this, this day with a decision to follow you. If you're here today and you want to do that, Right, right where you're sitting, just between you and God, just slip up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Go ahead, just respond to him. Thank you, that's great. Thank you, that's wonderful. Just, 
Just respond to him. It's between you and him, nobody else. Amen. Thank you. That's great. That's wonderful. I'm going to pray a prayer, and all of you today, just right where you're at, you can make this, make this your own prayer. Dear God, thank you for loving me and sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth. I confess my sins, and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God and was raised from the dead. I want to place my trust in you today. I want to receive what you've done for me and have offered to me. Please forgive me of all my sins. Become Lord of my life. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Amen.